Welcome to Career Caffeine, the weekly podcast for women who feel stuck, burned out, overwhelmed, or just need a little boost of inspiration in their careers. I'm your host, Angela. I'm a professional career mindset coach, corporate dropout, and dog lover. Every Wednesday, I'll invite you to grab a cup of coffee or your favorite bevy of choice and listen in where I'll share a little career wisdom, inspiration, advice, and real talk from my own career experiences as a district manager in retail for more than 20 years. And also as a career mindset coach, I work with women just like you who are on the hamster wheel and are looking for a change. I'll have some topics that are just like the coffee chats that you have with your work bestie when you need somebody to talk to. And I'll have occasional guests who will also share some tips, stories of inspiration, advice, and strategies to help you to get unstuck so that you can begin to move forward with your goals, dreams, and career aspirations. If you're interested in learning more about coaching and how I might be able to help you to achieve your career goals, check out my website at AngelaKnightCoaching.com or drop me an email at Angela at AngelaKnightCoaching.com and follow me here for free at the Career Caffeine Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere your favorite podcasts are found. Welcome to episode 15, Fast Tracking Your Career Through Your Network. I'm your host and career coach and mindset coach, Angela. You guys, I am so excited to have a long-term networking partner of my own, uh, Susan Collins, who is joining us today. And Susan is a career coach at the Network Concierge. And Susan, oh my gosh, how long have we known each other? Like forever, right? Forever. I think this might be a trip down memory lane today for us. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And you guys, I wanted, um, you know, to have Susan to be able to talk to you guys today because I think she's a perfect example of keeping relationships and networking alive for a long period of time. And Susan and I met many, 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 many years ago. Uh, She was a recruiter with Talbots. And in retail, it's a very small but large community at the same time. And we supported each other through the years with referrals of candidates and, you know, just in so many different ways. And oftentimes throughout our conversations, you know, we talked about the perception of networking and how challenging, you know, that people thought it was, or they made it really hard when all it is, is building relationships, staying in touch with people and having those real live voice to voice or in person, person to person um, conversations and relationships outside of just the social network or screening through, you know, a hundred applications that you see, but it's something that, um, you know, I think has made Susan uh, famous (laughs) in the industry and she's known for, and she taught me a lot about networking throughout the years. So Susan, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and maybe if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, you know, just kind of a brief overview of, of your career and, and, you know, how you got started in that and uh, maybe a little bit about why you started your own business. Well, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Like you, I started my career in retail and 
figured out pretty quickly that I wanted to get promoted. And my leader told me, if you want to get promoted, you've got to find your replacement. She took me out into the mall, taught me how to recruit. Two years later, I think I made $10,000 in recruiting bonuses and realized that it was something I had a passion for. Fast forward maybe another three years and a corporate recruiting position came open. I went to my leader, said I was interested. I went through the process and applied. And the corporate person called me and said, I quote, thanks for applying, but you were in no way qualified. Oh, heartbreak. I thought I was going to be a recruiter. That was it. I went back. I did my job. The position came open again. And I went to my regional manager. And as we left the store, I pulled out a list of people that I had not only recruited, but that I had developed and promoted. And, you know, you just have those people in your career who stick their neck out for you. And he went to HR again and said, I want Susan to be my recruiter for my region. If it's not her, then it's no one. And I was on a plane the next day headed to meetings. So I owe a lot to Calvin Reader. After that, I had my own region. I took on another region and really realized I'm misleading teams. I think, you know, my biggest story, I had 70 people that I was managing. So I started leading recruiters about, oh gosh, over 10 years ago. And it's was just really, really fun. Like I love the strategy. I love the responsibility of, you know, being the person that kind of comes up with the ideas of how you're going to recruit 5,000 people for holiday or how you're going to recruit somebody in a really difficult market and teaching people to do that was a joy. But then like many, the pandemic came um, and side note for one of my milestone birthdays, my thought partner had gotten me a coach. So I'd had a coach for um, over a year. And when the pandemic came, of course they weren't hiring. I went on furlough and there was that moment of where I realized I had given so much to my job that I wasn't really sure what I was going to do to be off so long. I think I did like 11 miles the first day that I was off. And the second day I went to work helping people find jobs because, you know, the, the retail industry was hit really hard. So I sat at my desk five, six, seven hours a day, just helping people out of, you know, the goodness of my heart. There were a lot of people that were afraid. There were people that had said, you know, I wish I would have called that recruiter back. Or I heard a lot of, I wish mm -hmm. I would have stayed in touch with someone. And so that was kind of that moment for me where I knew that uh, I had seen the rise and fall of a lot of careers. And I wanted to help people figure out networking strategies, career strategies, and really understand how to navigate in that corporate world to build the career that they wanted. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and I think you said some really valuable things there and things that are so relevant to people that might be listening in that one, you always made time for people no matter what. And there, there's always that fear, right, of when you hear a lot of layoffs, or you hear certain industries that are being impacted. But especially the ones that think, gosh, you know, I wish I would have picked up the phone when that recruiter called. And in some ways, if it's not a part of your natural habit or a part of your routine, it can feel like another item on your to-do list or kind of checklisty. 
But when you look at it as simply building a relationship or talking to someone, not necessarily, even if you are happy in your career and you're not looking for a job, those aren't the only reasons that you would want to network or to speak with someone because you never know when you might or you never know when another terrific opportunity may come along that you could potentially be overlooked for because you didn't take the time to have a conversation. And honestly, you know, and especially if you're in the same industry, industry knowledge is power and knowing you know, what is happening, where there could potentially be growth. So the position that you are, you know, interested in, or your dreamy job, it may not be available today. But just by making time to either take that phone call, or reaching out to someone new that you haven't talked to, you never know when you might be that person that's at the top of someone's mind to think, oh, you know what, I remember when I talked to Susan last week, she would be perfect for this job. She would be amazing because she's great at, you know, building connections, relationships. She's great at you know, whatever it might be that you're great at, right? And so I think it's just, you know, people, like we said before, you know, people make networking um, seem more difficult or harder than it is or than it has to be. And, you know, Susan, uh, you know, she's very well known. You're very well known for that. And you've built so many relationships. I don't know that there's anybody in the retail community that doesn't know Susan. Um, you know, and in fact, Susan, if you wouldn't mind maybe sharing a little bit about, you know, retail networking solutions and, you know, and how that came about. And you did so many terrific things with, um, you know, with that group and connecting so many people. That was just the gift they kept giving for me. You know, uh, there was, I'm going to say, probably 15 years ago, there were a lot of retailers that were out there doing what they were calling networking events. And they were really just recruiting events in disguise. And so my thought partner, Jennifer Thornton, and I decided that we were going to do it differently. We were going to build a networking platform where people could go and build their networking skills, could learn to leverage their relationships so that when they had an opening, when they had a question, when something came up and they needed someone to turn to, they weren't as siloed to just be able to reach out to their own company, but they could reach out across lanes and and get new perspective and new ideas. So we started doing, I think our first year, we did like 10 events. We called our competitors in the industry and said, hey, we're going to do these events. We'd like to host one in your store. Everybody was a little suspicious of us in the beginning, but what we really learned was people needed that outlet. They needed that permission to network. And so I think we've got over 19,000 followers on LinkedIn. It's still going. You can go to Retail Networking Solutions. I try to put tips and tricks and ideas in there every week. We um, also were doing about 40 events a year pre-pandemic where we would bring people together at the American Eagle store, the Talbot store, the Ulta store, whatever it was, and invite them in for a morning of pure networking. And it gave people permission to move past that awkward moment of, hi, I don't know you. Do I shake hands? Do we tap fists? Like, what is it? And to really 
create that space to build conversations. And I think that's where networking is awkward in the beginning because people know they need to do it, but they don't know what they are going to say when they get on the phone or get in front of someone. And, and I think that's natural. Like not everybody can talk to a door like I can. I think that you, you have to practice it and build the skill to become a great networker. Yes. And, you know, and Susan, you guys did a great job of, of hosting those throughout the entire country. And and you're right. Um, if you haven't done that, and if you weren't fortunate enough, like you were to have, you know, partners in your business that really believed in you and took the time to show you how to do it, that coupled with the fact you have a natural gift for it, you know, it can be awkward, especially after the pandemic. And if you're doing something in person, right, like you mentioned, like you don't know whether to fist bump or to shake hands or what do you say, but sometimes it could be as simple as picking up the phone. Or if you see someone in your community or your area that you know might be in the same industry, whether it's IT or human resources or retail or whatever, industry that you're in, I bet you that there's someone that you either see frequently, or you know that you have, you're in a similar department or area and just introduce yourself, even if it's in the cafeteria or Starbucks or somewhere where you run into someone, it doesn't have to be this big, huge planned activity. But Another thing that's really important, and you know, Susan and I were talking about this earlier, is giving yourself permission to include that in your calendar and on your weekly activities and making it a part of everything you do, almost like when you breathe. It becomes so natural and a part of what you're doing, you don't even think about it anymore. But in the beginning, if it's not a habit of yours, even if you just build in 30 minutes a week, that way it's planned and it's not going to go to the bottom of your to-do list or something that you just, you know, continue to put off. And, you know, and it really is that bridge or it's a great way to fast track your career, you know, through, through your network. And, and, and it's always about who, you know, you're right. And back in the day, we were going to networking events before work or after work and, only about probably 20% of my clients right now are in retail. So they're in other industries. And when I talk to them about who they know outside of their own company that does the same job that they do, there is a little bit of that fear, like, why would I know them? I don't work there. And so we spend a lot of time talking about how to make an introduction to someone who doesn't work at your company. What are the lines? Like a lot of times, it's not, I mean, you do have your trade secrets, but you need to branch out to build new perspective, to build new partners. You know, my biggest thought partner worked for one of our competitors for 10 years, but we knew the lines, what we could and couldn't talk about. And we also drew a lot of inspiration from each other and could, you know, take some ideas back to where we worked and get new things going just out of a simple conversation. Yes, and that's how that's how it starts. And that's how you continue and maintain those relationships, you know, and those networking partners that are that are out there. And and you're right, I think, when people, when you ask them, like, hey, who do you know, outside of your company that's in the same position or the same industry? And you know, you do you get the deer in headlights, like, well, why would I know them? I, I, <laughs> right. I don't know. And, you know, for someone who might be in their 
you know, maybe the middle of their career. And you might be thinking, gosh, I don't want to be in the same industry for the rest of my career. I want to completely pivot. I want to change industries. That's a perfect opportunity for you to get to know people. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. So one, if you are interested, you know, whatever that industry is that you're interested in, go on LinkedIn, maybe find a couple of people that either are local or someone that you wouldn't mind at least follow or send a, you know, a quick email, something genuine, right? Like, you know, hey, I just noticed that you've been in such and such a position for X amount of years. Um, are, are you happy? Or is there anything that you could share, you know, or, or something that just feels natural to you or however you would want to reach out to them. And that's a great way for you to, in the beginning, do a little bit of Nancy Drew or a little detective work on the industry that you might be interested in. And, you know, in return, you could share your experience or something that might be beneficial with that other person that you want to, you know, create a, a you know, a networking partnership with. You know, and I think now that we're on, hopefully, um, we're turning the corner with the pandemic with people being more comfortable and doing some in-person events, you know, they may, there may create some additional opportunities to do that. Um, but in the beginning, that's another, you know, again, like if you're interested in a totally different industry, it's a great way to get some insider knowledge and real experience from, you know, people who are doing what you might be interested in. I agree. Yeah. So, Susan, so let's maybe kind of pivot into your role as now a career coach, um, you know, with Network Concierge, which you started. So, you know, maybe talk to us a little bit about that and, um, you know, maybe some of the things that, you know, or challenges that come up that you love to dig into there. The biggest gift of all of this is the pandemic really put me in this situation where I heard leaders saying, I wish I would have, I should have, I didn't, I'm worried about. And it really brought a lot to the surface for, I think, a lot of people where they were second guessing choices that they had made, or they were starting to wonder why they were the person that had never been promoted when they saw two or three people that had grown up with them in the industry or had sat next to them in cubes or whatever the case may be. But there were people who all of a sudden were wishing they'd either done things differently or or gone after something bigger than they had. And so what I like to do is really help people figure out how to navigate their career. What kind of skills do they need to build? What is next for them? What things have they never considered? Like, why have they sat in that chair for the last five years? And and really dig into what's next. I had two clients that started in January, both kind of with the same mission to figure out what was next. And one came back and said, what's next is I do want to stay right here until my kids are grown. And I, I now have a clear path to how I can still grow, but not have to change positions. And the other one starts a new job tomorrow. So it is really about kind of digging internally to give yourself permission and time to 
review your choices and look at your options. And so that's what I love to do. And I know that is so needed. And sometimes people just need someone else to talk to and get an objective opinion. And some people may not be ready to make a career change. Like you mentioned, they may have family commitments or timelines that are appropriate for them. And when they feel comfortable to do that, and that's totally okay. But that's also a great time to continue to work on and expand your network because you just never know, um, you know, when you might when you might need to reach out or when they might need to reach out to you. Can I give you a couple statistics? Oh, yes, please. Okay, so this is why it's important. 86% of people get jobs from someone they know, right? So, so there is that obvious network and you may say, I wanna sit in this chair for the next five years, but when that five years comes to an end, People find themselves just sitting there. And out of that 86%, 53%, it really is kind of spider web. So I know Angela. Angela knows someone. They give them my name. And, and the story continues. So while you are really happy at work is when you should be thinking about what's next for me. And what's next sometimes means internal networking, networking within your company. Maybe it's understanding what they're doing in procurement or what they are doing in operations, or it may be networking outside, but you need to look at both because if you know for sure that you don't want to be in the same place in five years, it's time to start just slowly building your network so that it's there for you when you need it. I could not agree more. And to make that decision when you're not under a time crunch or you're not in an emotional place where you've had a tough day or a tough week or a tough month and you want to throw your hands in the air. And sometimes that's when poor decisions are made for your career or making a change. You always want to do it for the right reasons. And Susan, I think what you had said is absolutely spot on. So thank you for sharing that. I always say you want to run to a job, not from a job. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. Um, and then is there like a myth or something that maybe you've heard that was shared as advice over and over again throughout the years that just is not true or something that, you know, you would like to, um, I guess, maybe dispel as a, as a myth once and for all. A big one for me that I've heard, you know, because I had that front row seat in the corporate office, I brought people in, I could see careers rise and fall. And people would say over and over again, my work should speak for itself. And let's be honest, you need to be a great employee, but you also need to understand how to advocate for yourself. And so you can show up on time every day, create great results, really contribute to the bottom line. But if you're not able to articulate the ROI that you give back to the organization and you are not talking about what's next, very rarely do they walk up to you and say, oh my goodness, great job. We want to promote you. It is the squeaky wheel sitting in the next office over who is advocating for themselves who's going to get that job. So if there's you know, one myth that I think everyone needs to 
really look at and determine what's important to them is your work is not always going to speak for itself. It also needs that, that voice put attached to it. So you've got, you've got to advocate for yourself. 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. And you're right. Make your, work does not always speak for itself, especially if you are interviewing for a different company or a different field. A resume is simply a historical document of where you've worked and what you've done. And like you said, if you're not an advocate for yourself, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. And we've always, you know, said that your reputation is like an unspoken competency that is honestly, one of the most important competencies that's out there and your work sometimes in some cases, it, it does speak for your speak for itself. But what is it saying? And do you know what it's saying, you know, for, uh, you know, on your behalf? And, um, you know, it's another reason why, you know, having a great resource of, uh, you know, networking partners is so priceless, and so valuable to have. And, you know, what was that moment for you, Susan, like when the light switch went on and you thought, yeah, you know, this is it. Like, was there like a, a crucible or a defining moment for you that you could think of? Early in my career, like making offers was, was a big deal to me. When you saw that joy and that excitement, when you made someone an offer, you knew you were changing their life. That was a big deal for me. But I think the biggest aha moment for me was realizing that professionals, as they're climbing the ladder, are trying to align their personal and their professional goals, but they're also trying to align the goals of the organization and align with the goals of their supervisor, because a lot of times their supervisor's goals are the most important goals on their plate. So coaching creates that unbiased sounding board where the coachee can come to you and talk about their goals and really start to line everything out to understand what's important, how they're going to navigate it, and what decisions they need to make. And when you see that all come together, there are big decisions to be made. And they go in a variety of ways. And sometimes there are pause buttons and sometimes there are, you know, full steam ahead, but it is about having that moment with that unbiased sounding board where people start to really realize that their goals are not always aligned and that they need to either set boundaries or make changes or, or continue on the path. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, sometimes, like you said, that objective ear to listen to outside of their own company to have a sounding board. It's so valuable and to have a different perspective on what you could do. And something you just said, Susan, is so true that sometimes we make our own priorities align or the same as our supervisors. And hey, we get it. We, we're in a job or if you're in the corporate world, you do have a responsibility to follow the objectives, the priorities, the to-do lists, but you also have to think about yourself and think about your own career, your own goals, and how are you developing yourself? How are you continuing to broaden your network? What are those things that that you're doing? And it's okay, give yourself permission to do that. It doesn't mean that you're being disloyal to your company or to your boss or to anything else, but you also have to be loyal to yourself and your own career and your own 
advocate, you know, as Susan mentioned earlier, and, um, you know, sometimes if that means that you have a career coach, or you have a mentor, or a trusted colleague or friend that you can, you know, go to to you know, get an objective opinion or bounce ideas off of. But it's important that everybody has one. And, you know, like you said, just be thinking about your own career and your own career path and your own development. I actually think it makes you a better employee, right? Like when you're happy and you're growing and, and you know where you're headed, it makes you a better employee. You're exactly right. And, you know, filling your own skill set or expanding your skill set and you're happier, you know, it's like we said earlier, right? You put on your own oxygen mask first and you're a, you're a better employee and you're a better version of yourself and you just feel better um, when you're that engaged. All right, love it. So Susan, if you could give maybe one tip or a piece of advice for our listeners who might be thinking about changing their careers or changing their industries or any type of a change as it relates to their career, is there any um, like piece of advice or a tip that you would share? Whether you're changing or not changing, I want everyone to look at their calendars today and put white space in their calendars. When you are in the busy rat race of the world, you go from meeting to meeting, you're trying to figure out how to get your work done in between. And I think that we have to start creating space to give ourselves permission to either think, right? Create the strategy, not be in the hustle and bustle of checking the list or to network. Give yourself permission to spend 20 minutes on LinkedIn looking for people who are HR directors at other organizations that you can connect with. Give yourself permission to make a phone call to a former colleague that you haven't talked to in six months. When you make that phone call without any expectations, it's going to make building that relationship easier in the long run. And they're going to be there for you when you need them. So book time in your calendar, network, think, build plans, and give yourself the permission to have the white space. Very well said and excellent advice. I could not agree more. Well, Susan, I could not thank you enough for joining us today and for being a guest on the show. And for anyone that's interested in reaching out or getting in touch with Susan, you can reach her at thenetworkconcierge.com. And also, there are nine wildly obvious networks that you should be cultivating. And that's also on her website that I'll include in the show notes with the links for that. Um, and then, Susan, is there any other way or how else could our listeners get in touch with you? I am Susan at the networkconcierge.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I can be reached through my website. There is a place to learn more about working with me. It just says learn more on the top of um, the network concierge. I'd love to talk to you about your career. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being on the show today. And we've gotten so many great inspirational tips and advice. Really, really appreciate you being on. And everyone, thank you so much for listening today. And as always, may your cup be filled with possibilities.